Hey guys, welcome back to the Ronin Rabbit, a Usagi Ojimbo fan podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore. This is episode 88. Feedback can be left on the Google Plus page for the Ronin Rabbit, on the episodes as they're posted on Facebook, on the Usagi Ojimbo Dojo Facebook page, on the website bigtimenoise.com slash Rabbit via email usagipodcast at gmail.com. And on Twitter, at Teal, T-E-A-L, Productions. Usagi Ojimbo, Volume 3, Issue 14, and I don't know how long it's been since I've said it, but Issue 3 is the Dark Horse volume that has continued on until today. This is Grass Cutter Prologue Number 4, from September 1997. And we open, uh, this is an ongoing history lesson for us. Um, we open with a informational title page that I'll just pick bits and pieces from. Uh, it is the 12th century. We are on the 25th day of the third month of the second year of Genraku. Um The third month was April, interestingly enough. The hour of the hare, which is between 5 and 7 a.m. So, sunrise. We are in the midst of a war between the Terra and the Minamoto clans. Both very, very old clans. One descended from royalty, the Terra. The other thought to be rustic. They were of the people clan. As we have seen through history, I think this is yet another episode of the uh, conflict between the patricians and the plebeians, if you were, between the aristocracy and the lay people, between the peasants and the royals, between the, uh, you know, down through the ages. It has always come down to this. We are at the confluence of the islands of Honshu, Kyushu, and Shikoku in the uh, straits of the ocean there amongst the confluence of those three islands. We start out aboard the Terra clan ships. Um, the mother and grandmother of the current emperor who is but a child and has been forced to flee as they are being overrun. This is their, their final battle, in essence. And there's a conversation between the mother and the grandmother. Um, the mother is very optimistic, very doe-eyed, even in her the way she's drawn. The grandmother is very old and wrinkled and much more introspective and considering uh, all of the possibilities, whereas the mother is just considering the possibilities that are positive to her and her son, the emperor, or the emperor-to-be. I'm not exactly sure what the situation is. I think he was officially the emperor, but at eight years of age, I don't know how much emperor ring he could actually do. Um, so we, we see stories of things that have happened that were portents and the two women as they discuss things are interpreting the portents Um, they continue on discussing things basically bringing us us up to speed on the uh, the, I think the feel 
of the Terra clan. Uh, we cut over to the Minamoto clan's boats, where we see uh, their leader, Lord Yoshitsune, speaking with one of his uh, higher-ups about the upcoming battle. They decide to attack. We switch over and see the battle now. Most of the story will take place from the eye of the Terra clan, uh, that of the Emperor. We see them concerned. The uh, Genji clan, excuse me, that's an alternate name. The Miyamoto clan has um, many, many, many more boats than the Terra clan. The Terra clan, though, is much more used to ocean warfare. And so they have things set up in such a way that despite being outnumbered by boat and probably by manpower, uh, the manpower of the Miyamoto clan is much more familiar with fighting on land, uh, whereas the Terra clan much more competent fighting from the water. Uh, So the Terra clan feels that that will be their, their saving grace. And just as the battle starts, we see the addition of more forces, additional forces coming. Uh, They are the ships of the High Priest of Kumano Shrine, who owe a pledge of fealty to the Tierra Clan. But at the last minute, they uh, turn and join the Miyamoto Clan, giving that side of the ocean battle even more boats. But nonetheless, the Tierra feels they are superior, um, both because of their ability, but also because they have the emperor, the, the rightful, the, the person that the gods are behind, because he is the divinely chosen ruler of Japan. And the battle ensues, and we see issues going back and forth, more signs and portents that are interpreted, until finally the Terra clan is just overwhelmed uh, by manpower, um, Several things also start happening that show us that they are uh, doomed to lose this battle. As the battle progresses, more people turn sides and join the Minamoto because they are the winning side. Uh, Those that remain in a superior position in the Terra ranks start doing things like... uh, Uh, suicide missions, taking out as many of the opposing um, fighters, the the enemy, as they can, knowing that they will die. Uh, Just flat out committing suicide, jumping into the water so that they cannot be captured and and killed. Till finally, the uh, head advisor of the Terra approached the ship that contains the grandmother, mother, and young emperor. He tells them of the goings of the battle and that ultimately they will be uh, captured as well and the best thing for them to do is to attempt suicide. So the grandmother goes and gets the young emperor. She gets two of the three treasures that they have also taken with them from the capital. A mirror, a... um, something else here that I I forget what it was, and the sword, uh, the grass cutter sword. So she takes, here it is, the sacred jewel. So the grandmother and the young boy, she um, jumps with him into the water with the sword and the sacred jewel, leaving the mirror, because she can't carry it all, to be taken by the mother. 
The grandmother jumps overboard, falls into the water, never to be seen again. Several retainers jump in after her, committing suicide as well. The Miyamoto forces suss out which boat the emperor is on. They go to capture the boat. Um, They capture some of the people that have jumped in the water. They capture the mother who has the mirror. And as they start to plunder the lacquer box that the mirror is in, the mirror actually attacks them and kills a couple until it can be subdued. The Miyamoto folks do, uh, by fishing in the water, recover the jewel. So now they have two of the three great treasures. Uh, But they are not able to find any trace of the grandmother, the young emperor, or most importantly, the sword, uh, after many, many, many attempts. Um, And we have, as kind of a a little parting thing here, that the, uh, the story of the... Terra Warriors does not end with the battle at Dan no Ura. The spirits of the massacred and drowned loyalists live on today in the guise of crabs inhabiting the bottom of the strait. The crabs of that area bear their likenesses, or the likenesses, of the Terra Warriors' faces molded upon their red shells. So their shells look face-like, and that is thought to be the spirits of the Terra people who were killed and or committed suicide there as part of the battle. Now we cut to, uh, on the final page, I believe uh, the time is now. Uh, All of this occurred in 1185. So we have gone from primordial time Uh, Closer, closer, closer to 1185 now with this issue. And then the final page of this issue, I believe it's the current time that Usagi is at, as we have been covering his adventures. And we're in a a building of some sort. I would assume it's probably a, a forest temple. And there is a meeting among those members of the Conspiracy of Eight as one calls it, uh, he's wondering, in all of the things that we're trying to do, why are we listening to this story that we have heard since our youth? Uh, you know, we know this story. What, what's your point? And one of them jumps up, says, I, I agree with you. Even being together like this, we're, it's a very dangerous thing for us to do, on top of the fact that we're wasting our time listening to fairy tales. But the teller of the story tells them, I tell you because it is the sword that will overthrow the shogun and reinstate our honored emperor as the true ruler of the land. And the sword, of course, is the Kusanagi no Tsurugi, the grass cutter. And so that's where we finish up this prologue chapter. Uh, once again, the back page is full of text. These, these last two issues I've talked about, issue 13 and 14, if you guys can get a hold of those issues to read that text or that back matter, as they call it in trade paperbacks, I, I do not like that phrase. But nonetheless, um, lots of information, lots of information, both on this prologue story, which is probably about 60% of the text on the page, but also the bibliography and notes on uh, sources for all four of the prologues and many many, many books it is, um, all sounding very, very promising as far as information for those interested in the prehistory and history of the uh, Japanese Isles, and uh, more importantly, of the peoples of the Japanese Isles. 
Uh, many of these have made my personal list. A couple of them I actually already have, so that, that was kind of cool to find out. Uh, but certainly, I now, having read these two issues, have a, a solid bibliography of books uh, to look for so that I can learn more about what I find to be a, a fascinating country and, and fascinating peoples. So not really any terms in that one. It was more a history lesson than terms. We do see that the there is, yet again in Japan, uh, it comes down to a battle between the haves and the have-nots, uh, which seems through the course of history to always be what is sparked as you know the, the deciding battle, and these are the two sides. Um, I would say even now in the U.S., uh, over social media, those same kind of battles are being fought uh, between those perceived to have not against those they perceive to have. And I'll leave it at that. Next issue, Usagi Ojimbo, Volume 3, Issue 15, cover dated November, I believe, 1997. So with this short episode, I hope you guys will hold on for another couple weeks, and I will talk to you again then. Ciao. The Ronin Rabbit Podcast is a Teal production, and as such, is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, non-derivatives, 3.0, unported license. 